0: And we are back, 24 minutes after 11 o'clock. My pleasure to welcome back to the show Richard a bear's Hebert, Garden Center. How are you doing, sir?
1: Hey, Jeff. Good morning. Doing great. Uh, the, the temperature has changed slightly. You noticed that, huh? Right. Man. But, you know, it'll change back. Yeah,
0: it's, it's not that unusual this time of year, which every way the wind blows.
1: That's correct. That's correct. So, uh, but, boy, we had a good start to uh, spring, if you want to call it spring, and so this will set it back, and we'll get another setback. I hope it's just as minimal as this because this really – we need a little rain. we got a little rain, and north wind is fine. It's going to warm up. I'm okay with that.
0: Just no freezing temps.
1: No freezing temps, exactly. That's that's, that's the key the main, right now. That's the the main thing. So
0: you, you brought with you a plant. Uh, I don't know I if did. you want to start with that. Well, or? we're
1: going to start with vegetables. That's the uh, That's been up till today the, the big item in terms of, you know uh, – you we know, we got seasonal color and we start with the with the uh the early stuff with the seasonal color such as petunias and geraniums and calabrachias and some of the perennials we just started to get in. Um and but for the most part a lot of people have started and what's happened, Jeff, is that over the years, over the last forty years, you know, we've gone from people who planted, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight hundred foot rows of of items to people who are now doing the square foot gardens, we have a few that do the big the big, but a lot of people still doing the square foot so they can get an earlier start because one the risk is 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 uh is is not as great because they're not putting as much dollars into it, okay, so the soil prep is the same. the only risk you're taking is planting your seed or planting the the plant itself so if the if the risk is minimal and you can protect them meaning that Take a little plastic cover. It is worth getting an early start. You know, people used to say, "Jeff, down here is I'm not planting till Holy Week," and sometimes Holy Week is, you know, you know, the first week or the yeah, second about week, a of three April. week range, it can it, be. It, it, exactly, or it could be the end of April. And I'm I'm sorry to say, today, if you wait till Holy Week, it's going to be too late for most things, the most popular things, such as tomato, especially tomato. Even
0: though this is an early. Okay. Well, it, it
1: does help you this year, but yeah. even so, uh, it's better to try to get an early start. Now, if you have, you know, two, three hundred foot rows, I get it. You can't. You've got to wait till the odds are way in your favor. So that's different. But for the square foot gardeners, it is beneficial to try to get an early start. And what I tell people is, well, I got I got 10 tomatoes and I don't want to plant. I want to. I get that. So plant two or three two or three that you can cover and so that when they start flowering it's going to be earlier in the season and you're going to set a lot more fruit early uh, than normal also you know and it's kind of the same thing when it comes to the people who truck farm they they try to get that crop in as early as possible because of the price right so you know what happens Jeff if you go into uh, some of the grocery stores in June you're going to find a lot of homegrown tomatoes because they're in abundance at that point. Whereas if you can get them earlier, you're going to get something that's not available, and uh, and you can enjoy it. So an early start is important. Now there's some things you don't won't even try, but and we've talked about that in cucumbers and squash. It's really hard to do in a, in a cold saw, but. I want to talk a little bit about tomatoes and the different types, not so much the different varieties, but the, the different types of tomatoes that are out there that, uh, that people will ask for. And, uh, you know, the, the biggest question that we always get when they walk up, the customer walks up to the tomato tables and you know, they see in three or four tables of tomatoes and say, which one is your best one? Well, if there was a best one, then we'd only have one variety out there. So, the, really, the, an, the short answer is is that there's no best one. There are some that are better than others, and and but there are also some that are better than others for different reasons. And so, I want to talk a little bit about that. And you know, l- 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 let me ask you this. Okay,
0: yesterday I had a salad. Not going to mention from where. Okay, it's good salad, mm-hmm. except there are a couple of suspect tomatoes in there little cherry tomatoes. Mm-hmm. But uh, Christine who said eh, no, those are just different varieties. Mm-hmm. Is that that they would look the color would be that different?
1: Yes. I mean I am not sure what you meant by suspect, meaning they
0: they looked the shape
1: a, and the and or the color.
0: One almost had a blackish hue to it. Okay. And another one was yellow as
1: if maybe it wasn't ready yet. Okay. I don't, I don't so no, uh, actually actually it, it could very well have been a varietal difference. And that's uh, kind of something we'll talk about in, in what I'm fixing to say. But yes, shapes of tomatoes. And colors of tomatoes will will you know vary differently. And 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 the short answer on that is that if you if you are want to plant if you come to me and say I want to plant one or two tomatoes, it has to be very hardy. I'm going to steer you toward the cherry tomatoes. Now, if you say, well, no, but I want it for slicing for my sandwich, then no, obviously. But if you want it for a salad and something sweet, the cherries are hard to beat. And uh, and there's different shapes of cherries, and there's also different colors. There's one called uh, Chocolate Cherry. It's a dark, dark red, uh, almost black, mm. and it is sweet, sweet, sweet. And there's also one called, I think it's uh, Sun Sugar, which is a yellow cherry. The old cherry varieties such as Sweet 100s and um, uh, Million, uh, uh, Millionaire, are, are one, the, the ones that have been around for a long time, and they're very good and, and very consistent, very hearty. They're hearty to the disease and all that. But if you're looking for flavor, these newer varieties, the, the, you know, the sun sugar and the uh, uh, chocolate are very, very hard to beat. I mean, in terms of the sweetness, the consistency of the sweetness. So, yeah, it could have been that. And so that's that's one thing. I, I'll say look, if you don't want to fight it and you've always had failure and and you're saying you're looking for something for for salads, the cherry tomatoes are really hard and they they are hardier also. So it's a combination. Are, are, it, are
0: they at all easier to um deal with too because they're smaller, lighter weight and dragging down the plant anything like that? It,
1: it could be, but also there's, there's a less of a time span between the maturity. So a big tomato, I don't know, Jeff, depending on the time of year, it may take from the time it starts to, to get to the size, it may take a week to change colors, whereas a cherry tomato it may take a few days. So there's less chance of something happening, meaning that, uh, you know, you get a hard rain, uh, you know, two or three days before you go out there and harvest that big tomato and it splits on you. And, uh, or the bird gets to that big one. Uh, <laughs> the other thing is that with a cherry tomato, I mean, yeah, the bird will get to two or three of the cherries, but you got a hundred of them on there. So, uh, yeah, there's less chance of things happening with the cherries. And, and if something does ha- if they do split, uh, it's generally not, you know, a, a loss of, I mean, I know myself, you know, I'm waiting for this beautiful tomato. I want it to ripen on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And that was, that's a mistake. I should have just picked it when it started to change. And, uh, so less chance of things happening. Absolutely. With the cherries. Okay. But, but the, uh, the other big question we have is I want to, because everybody's going to smaller containers, they don't want something that gets too big. So we have that indeterminate tomato and determined tomato, meaning determined to stay small is how I try to remember it. And so instead of getting six feet tall, uh, uh, they'll only get three feet tall. And those are basically newer last, I don't know, 30 years they've started to develop these. And, and that's because people have smaller gardens, and they don't want to. A, a tomato technically is a vine if you, if you if you go to south america and where they harvest these tomatoes they are vining on the ground so a tomato is a vine that's, and we basically take those cages and we get them up and supported and that's for good reason it helps for the development of the fruit so the, the tomato looks very uniform and it, it less chance of it rotting because so much rain down here right right so so there's a, the reason they stake them is for that reason but technically all, but these determinants are not vines they are little bushes that do well and and there's many varieties, and I'll name a few. You know, the four four fours, the six forties, the five eighty nine, celebrities, Better Bush. Those are all really good determinate tomatoes that will, uh, in a pot or in a raised bed, do actually very well. Now, the the other big deal is that okay, what is a uh, you know when they say I want uh, what's the best tomato? They will ask that question. What's your best tomato? So. All right, so what are you looking for? Are you looking for easy to grow, or are you looking for flavor? Of course, everybody's going to say flavor. So here's the hook with the flavor. The flavor is there's a lot of these old heirlooms, and that's the old varieties that they haven't hybridized but have the best flavor. And, uh, you know, Brandywine, uh, Black Creme, um, Oxheart, Creole, that's all old heirloom tomatoes. The the only issue with those is that they generally will not produce as much because in hybridization they they're trying to hybridize for disease resistance and and uh insect uh repellents and, and let and won't crack as easily. So as a general rule, the heirlooms are a little bit harder to maintain, they won't produce as much and you won't get that uniform uh perfect looking tomato, because that's another thing the uh, The breeders breed for looks now they want that tomato yeah. to be perfect, no uh, you know no uh, uh, cracking and splitting, so they're looking for a perfectly shaped colored tomato, but in that process they may lose a little bit of the flavor so that's kind of the hook you say well you know what i'm growing I'm growing two plants i'm going to put two heirlooms in there, and that makes sense, you know, but if you're only growing two or three. Still, may be worth it to you. You say, "Well, no, I don't care about how much I produce. If I can get, if I can get ten or fifteen, grow fr- uh, fr- of that, that tastes really, really good. Then that's good. And, and I'm not saying these other ones taste bad, Jeff. It's not like the ones you buy in the grocery store in the wintertime that basically taste like water. I guess you know they just don't have that flavor. They have flavor. It's just that those old heirlooms seem to have the best flavor that you can get out of all the tomatoes." Okay. Th- then we'll talk about uh, the, the the other. I guess not necessarily the newest, but the one that's been the rave of the past is the grape tomato, and that's one that's kind of oblong, a little bit longer. You may have had that in that salad. You could put mm-hmm. that. It sounds it, like it. Yeah, it's bigger than a, a cherry. Certainly, it's more oblong. It looks like a like a uh, uh, an oblong grape. No, it does. Yeah, and uh, it is very very good and actually holds up really really well. And so, in terms of production, it's a high producer. In terms of uh of uh, flavor very good flavor uh and uh and disease resistance very good then we get into a canning tomato jeff and that's basically they call it roma or so we call it the plum pear shape uh viva italian is one la roma is that and that is a they use this It is a very meaty tomato very small seed but it makes a lot of juice and so they use that a lot for canning uh or you know uh for spaghettis and and cooking it down and it gives you a lot of juice and so that is not as popular because it has a kind of unique uh reason to grow it but uh it is a very very good uh tomato and and, and, and so so people do like them and there's a lot of area in between you uh, know the the size of, the size of the tomato of a big tomato you know some people want a want I want a slicing tomato one that I can cut it and it, it fits on my yeah. burger yeah. and uh and so that, there's a lot of ways to go And and then there's also low acid tomatoes and some people can't handle the acidity uh in in the in the tomato fruit itself and so there are certain varieties that have a low acid obviously we don't sell a lot of that but people will come and say hey do you have any low acid tomatoes and in a general it's some of the yellow ones but you know, one, old one uh Jet Star is an old variety that is a low acid. But Yellow Boy, Golden Boy, uh, Jubilee—all are low acid yellow tomatoes. And for some reason, it must be the coloration that causes the acidity. But but just just know that. And and the other big factor, and we've talked about in the past, but it's very important, is when you buy a plant, Jeff, it's going to be—I don't know—three, four, six inches tall. Mm-hmm. And so by nature, when you start to set that in your bed, you just saying, man, uh, I'm not putting this two feet apart. I'm going I'm to I'm put them 12 inches, in, and that's a big mistake. And what, what ha- what's happening there is that the plant starts to – it's like weeds in the garden. It starts competing with itself. Yeah, yeah. So it has two tomato plants 12 inches apart, and all of a sudden now the root system is competing for uh, water and nutrients as well as the leaves start growing with, with each, within each other, uh, you know, competing for light. And then it causes a disease issue because they close. So if you have a raised bed, ideally it would be two feet apart. You can go eighteen inches. But if you had problems raised in the
0: past, bed or in the ground? Either either either, same, either, either way,
1: either way, but in the ground you can actually probably go eighteen inches. If you have the space, two feet would be better. Yeah. And, uh, and and the same thing when it goes in the container. If you have a container that's eighteen inches in diameter, don't put three plants in there. You know, just put one plant and it's going to fill that container out and it won't be long. I say within a month, you're going to start to realize that, that, you know, that, man, they're competing with one another. And then you're going to start to have issues. So that's kind of the, uh, uh, you know, uh, another uh, big mistake. And then always fertilize. And if you're going to do one or the other, you can do liquids, but always, always, always put a granulated fertilizer in the ground. And look, in today's world, Jeff, there's organics that, that are very, very good. And uh, there's commercial fertilizers. And it used to be years ago I, I would say, look, you don't need to go organic because uh, organic's a lot more expensive and you're going to uh, it's gonna cost a lot more. And I don't think the rationale for it is as good as spraying insecticides on in a plant. I get that. You, know, you don't want to spray an insecticide. If you have an organic option, you want to do the organic. However... In today's with smaller gardens it's not as cost prohibitive to 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 go organic meaning that uh, uh you can still utilize organic and and it's in the, you're not you're not buying a 50 pound bag of fertilizer you know you buy a 50 pound bag of organic you know maybe 20 dollars for the commercial it might be a hundred dollars for the organic it's that big of a difference yeah. but when it comes to small quantities it doesn't it doesn't translate as as bad and so uh so if you want to go get there's some very good organic products that do very well. We have some one that's uh, uh, that's local that does compost organically, and that's a very good. He does a tea and a uh, uh, organic compost. So you do have some uh, some options when it comes to organic fertilizer. But it's very important that you put the dry granulated fertilizer in the soil before you plant, or at minimum at the time of planting. And then you're gonna you're gonna we'll talk later about this, but you'll always um, you know, side-dress and, and add uh, add add fertilizer as you go, uh, usually about once every four to six weeks. But the, the reason I say you want to put the granulated in the soil is because it will always be available to the plant. And if you, if you just use liquid, you're going to have to use liquid two or three times a week because it works fast, but it goes away fast. So if you don't put the granulated in the ground and you miss a couple, you know, uh, liquid fertilizer, the, the plant's going to miss it. Whereas if it's in the ground, it will find it and pick it up every day it'll pick it up so you can supplement with liquids but if you're going to use one or the other put the granulated in the ground okay uh you know uh jeff we we, again we got all the plants but bell peppers is the other big one and just for the listeners to know that if you've had trouble growing bell peppers and you're trying to stick with some of the older varieties such as california wonder uh there's there's a great variety called Aristotle that has performed extremely well over the last four or five years Uh, and we started pushing people toward it over the last you know three or four years because we saw they were having trouble with the older varieties and this one has been proven to be a proven winner it's not a huge huge bell pepper but it's it's the same size as the old California Wonder which is kind of the size you buy in the store and but it is a consistent producer, a heavy producer, and so we always steer it. But So for the listeners, Aristotle is an outstanding variety, and it does well. When it comes to the third big one, uh, uh, eggplants, uh, you know, eggplants will, one one plant will produce 20, 30 uh, eggplants at least on, on a bush. So you generally don't have to plant that many of them. But if you use it, it's worthwhile. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because last year – that one held up extremely well in the heat and the drought. So if you do utilize eggplant, it is worthwhile to plant one or two uh, if you're going to utilize it. And uh, and it took the heat well as opposed to – so you don't need to get an early start with that. That's what I'm saying is that where, whereas a tomato plant, they did not tolerate – when we start to get really, really hot, they didn't perform very well. So early start with tomatoes, not necessarily early start with the, uh, uh, the eggplant. No, what are
0: you talking about? one or two. You you're talking about one or two plants that produce X amount of Yeah,
1: they'll put they'll put that twenty, thirty, forty oh, wow. per bush. Yeah. Okay. So it, it will it will give you a good and, and they held up well. So it's not like That's something That's why you said to,
0: if you'll utilize all that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And usually in cooking you can you can utilize all that. I was gonna I was gonna take that bill. Feel free. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so uh and then the other one that we just started getting today is cucumber plants. I think it's too early but, again, you know, risk-reward, if, if you're just planting two or three, four hills, it may be worth the risk. But, but I'm just saying that they won't even tolerate, a, you know, it starts getting to 30s and blowing north winds. People will come back to me and say, hey, my cucumbers turned white. Well, what's the deal with that? What kind of fungus I got? I'm going to say it's not a fungus. It's the north wind that got you. Mm. And uh, so, so and, and the good thing about cucumbers is they grow very fast anyway. So when temperatures warm up, a person who may be planted now versus a person who planted two weeks and it stays warm, you know, they'll usually catch up, with, catch up with, with both of them. And so it's really not that big of an issue. So vegetables has been the big deal, but we have started to get all our shrubbery and fruit trees and as well as started with the early season bedding plants to do well. But this plant I brought in, Jeff, is a bromeliad. A what? It's called a bromeliad. It's a succulent. has uh, succulent leaves, and it takes uh, it to uh, low water. That,
0: that's why initially when I saw it, I, I saw um, al, aloe vera.
1: Aloe vera. That's right, because it's succulent. Yeah,
0: but uh, but it's much thinner.
1: Much leaves. Much thinner leaves. Yeah. But it's a it's a, I, I guess I guess this is probably one that is very easy to grow unless you uh, you know over maintain it. Basically, I'm saying is overwater it. And uh, because it takes very little water. Yeah, and I would, was
0: going to say I overdid it with my aloe vera once. That's right. I, I did it once, and then I realized well, I, say, I hey, overwatered th- it, I,
1: it. It doesn't need a lot of care. Bromeliads, yeah. you just have the right spot. So if you can find a spot with indirect light, shade, or you know, with a lot of glare, it does great. They flower, and there's different. This is this is just one type, but there's many, many different varieties. And this flower will actually end up spiking out. It's a red one. There's it's going to it's tough
0: to see initially when you had it. Flat, flat on the ground, on the ground. but uh, so it does it, it rise does, above it,
1: does that. it does rise and uh uh b- but the blooms will last for months yeah. as opposed to uh you know a bloom fading so this bloom will last for for months and it it's a little maintenance meaning that you're going to water this once a week and when you water it Jeff ideally you're not watering much on the soil itself you actually pour the water in the leaves mm. and then uh, and then and then a week later you do it fertilize it Use a liquid fertilizer every two or three weeks. And that's pretty much all you need to do. Uh, I think it's the right location is important. Shady spot or glare on a patio or under a tree. You don't want to put this in the ground. And the reason you don't want to put it in the ground is you know it's going to get too much water. At some point, oh, okay. it's going to start raining and it won't stop. So uh, you got to put it in a like a, 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 a cacti-type soil that is just going to drain really, really well. And never go too big uh, – uh, too big of a container, meaning that you want, you don't want something that's going to be uh, this this normally we say go twice the size of the of the root ball and in this case no you only this is a probably a four inch container you'd only go to maybe a six inch container because you don't want it to stay too wet so small container it's, it works great in uh, in a uh, uh, like a window basket uh, um, y- you know uh, or 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 a pot that's that's laying somewhat low because you can actually see the flower better for a longer period of time but the uh in terms of cold in the extreme cold that we got this past winter for those few days they would have needed protected but not really 30s and upper 20s it wouldn't have been an issue so just a neat hearty plant that performs well great little gift uh because usually when you give a gift it might be for somebody who's sick or something they really can't take care of it, it doesn't need a lot of care <laughs> and so that would kind of help you there and uh overall it's a it's a neat plant that performs very, very well, and the last thing I want to say is that a lot of people start to get, get concerned, you know, look, my hibiscus, you think it's alive, or, you know, my ferns, are they alive? And going
0: back to the freeze. We're going back. We're recovering, recovering from it.
1: it. And recovering from it, and and really, you just don't want to push. I keep telling you, just don't push it. At this point, you can cut things back, so if your ferns are burnt, you can cut it back. Your Lillian cut it back. Hibiscus, cut it back, and You really don't want to push anything that hard, so let it come back naturally. And I think for the most part, Jeff, certainly a lot of the ferns are definitely going to come back. Uh, For the the most part, we're going to be okay. There may be a few hibiscus that we lost, especially if they were in containers or exposed to the north. You know, that that may have been an issue. But overall, uh, I'm, I'm optimistic that a lot of people come in saying they're starting to see sprouting. So this is where, you know, patience will pay off for you. Um, certainly there's no rush on anything and, uh, uh, but uh, a little patience, you might start to see some growth and let it go. Jump into the citrus. It's pretty much the same answer. You got to cut back now and kind of see what happens. If it starts to sprout from at the ground or near the ground, that's not good. Break it off and see what happens, uh, in the above ground branching.
0: Above the graph. Uh, Way above the graph. So it's
1: pretty much where the the tree is. You can cut the tree back, but you're not cutting it to the ground like we do a lot of things. You're cutting it. Uh, where the branching is up higher. Gotcha.
0: Anything else uh, today? That's it, Jeff. And uh, remind us uh the hours okay, these so and, and access because I know they were doing some so. So So right
1: there. now the roads are definitely clear. We've always always had access with the road construction that's occurring on Hopkins Street. But as for right now, they've moved further down the road, and uh, doing most of the work is, is going more toward Admiral Dahl now. So okay. So as of now, it's easy access now. And uh, now we've kicked to seven days a week, so we'll be there. Uh, for our extended hours, Sundays 12 to 5.
0: Real good. Richard, appreciate you coming by as always. We'll look forward to the next time.
1: Thank you, Jeff.